and you know one of the things like I've, i mean if you've been listening to the last few episodes you know that I, of course I'm, I'm nigerian i live in lagos nigeria and we're going through a national election process which has been hmm, really really a thing you know for me and just my own reflections about what i've been seeing what i've experienced what i've been hearing in the process and one of my observations and reflections which i've shared with a friend of mine was that i realized that my country which is a very deeply religious country and it's evenly split between christians and muslims and we really make a huge song of a da- and a dance about our faith you know we all like you know the christians are like hey, you know like we carry jesus on our head oh we're christians and we have a whole sort of like inter- enterprise around christianity and the same thing on the other side as well so in the whole world nigeria in the christian world nigeria is an important country in the muslim world nigeria is also an important country in fact both faiths count nigerian numbers use nigerian numbers to validate the number of adherents that they have on the planet if you look at any research center the ones talks about in fact we feature nigeria features on the list of the top 10 christian nations as well as the top 10 muslim nations for you to understand what i'm talking about we're about 200 million so you're looking at at least 100 100 both sides plus or minus 10 million or so so fine and we're very hmm, i don't use the word fanatic or passionate about it on both sides you know so but some sides let's just say there's just a lot uh, we have fundamentalists on both sides but some fundamentalists that are really really fundamental if you know what i mean so all of that that's our context but this election period made me realize that we don't even nigeria i think the one thing that i would, a lot of people that say they they believe in those two faiths actually don't believe in those two faiths i think what I could see that was common is that a lot of a lot of people worship money and power. Money and power was seems to be is have a stronger pull on many of the people who claim to be adherents of the of, of those religions. So it, they use religion as a platform to advance the agenda of power, you know, political power, economic power, whatever you may call it, but. And I've, I think what was shocking to me was seeing the subservience, the adulation, the admiration and fascination that people have with those people who have that kind of power. That came out really strongly for me in this election. I always thought it was money that was the pool, but I now realize that for some years, money, but for many, it is just the power. It's just being in that space whereby I have access to all of this power so you know even if all it gives me is protection almost like you know the mafia type of thing when you are part of a mafia family even if you're at the bottom rung of the family you know just the fact that people know that you're part of that family is enough for you whether or not you are getting a cut from the drug trade or the uh, you know whatever it is that they're doing it's just enough for you to be part of the family and you are willing i mean you you are ready to go to battle fight anybody shed blood you know, for advance the cost of the family, but you're at the bottom of the food chain and you're not going to get anything more than just the dirty work to do. And they're very comfortable in that space. So I saw, I've seen a lot of that as well. Um, the psychology of it is not something that I'm very used to, but I have come to realize that it does exist. When I, when I look at it in the mafia, mafioso context, Italian mafia, I understand it because I've watched a lot of mafia films and, and, and I find that it's the same thing. So it's, it's a, 
it's a potent mixture of money and power I, I always knew that the money thing was a thing but i also what i didn't understand there were a lot of people that i could see that were not directly benefiting you know at a monetary level but still had this i don't even know what i would call it this almost like it, it's i mean i don't know it's, it's almost like a how would i say fanatical yes fanatical worship like cult worship of these individuals who wield power in the most dangerous ways and um they can see these people doing things that are unethical things that are not in alignment with the christian faith or the tenets of islam and it's not enough to stop them so that made me realize that a lot of us in fact i wrote to that my friend i said most of us are just hypocrites in nigeria we don't even believe what we say we believe but I do have respect for one Islamic preacher who, after the elections, and he's a very controversial preacher, everybody in Nigeria knows him. He actually made a statement saying that what the national electoral body did was wrong. They needed to have been transparent. They needed to have followed their own rules. And since their rules said they should transmit results electronically, real-time, on-site, they should have done that and they should take steps to rectify what they did. My respect goes to him. Because those that I mean, Islamic tenets preach all those fairness and what, what, what not. He's the only religious leader that I have heard make such a strong statement. The others have been silent. A few ragamuffins, I'm sorry, here today have actually, you know, congratulated and validated the process. Most have remained silent. But this guy, who is a very controversial guy, I must say, somebody that I, I didn't like his stance. Although he's been consistent in speaking up for people on his own side of the fence and he's a fundamentalist, but I was impressed by the fact that he was he actually spoke up. So I said, okay, so this guy really believes what he he says he believes. I mean he's tested because you and I we can say we believe anything. I can say I love my child, but when push comes to shove, my child does something that I really don't you know it's it's when things happen, you know, that makes me then know that do I really love this child or is it I just love the child because the child is obedient to me and is doing what I've been asking them to do. So now, when an outcome of, a, of an election favors your candidate, but your candidate lied, he, still, he stole and he killed, fraudulently changed results to get that, are, are you going to say that what he did was wrong, even though he's somebody that you supported? So many, uh, many Christians, have, like I said, I found, I've had to reassess some of my relationships because I've seen people that I believed were Christians and I thought, and I think they're still Christians, but it just makes me realize that in the hierarchy of, um, 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 how would I say, of principles, other sentiments have a higher place than the word of God. And um, this for me is a fundamental, these are, these are fundamental things. You can't be my friend, somebody that I, my confidant, if you are confused about things like lying, um, stealing, you know, or you're wishy-washy, you know, about, you, you know, such things. Mm -mm. You, I, I, I'm sorry, you know, they, 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 you cannot be my confidant. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, but that's just the way it is. Because what he tells me is that, he, 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 I mean, I don't understand the basis of our relationship. So please, I mean, go and look for people of, of your own kind. But anyway, so I said, let me just 
read the verses in John 14 that talk about this. So in John 14, Jesus was talking to his disciples. In, jo- in the book of John, generally, you'll find a lot of conversation where Jesus was just having, you know, like heart-to-heart conversations with the disciples. If you use a red-letter Bible that highlights the words of Jesus in red, you would see a lot of red text where you can then focus on what Jesus says. So he did a lot of teaching, a lot of speaking, a lot of narration, and he shared a lot of insights about, you know, kingdom truths, God's perspective on life, and on, on things, on the faith, and what it meant to be in Christ. So, if I start reading from verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And he said to them, If you had known me, then you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him, because you have seen him. In other words, you look at me, you've seen the Father. And then um, Philip says, show us, show us the Father, and that would be enough for us. And then Jesus said, I have, I've been with you for so long, and you're still asking me who the Father is. They don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I do not speak them of my own. But the Father that dwells in me, he's the one that does the works. If you believe that I'm in the Father, you say, um, and the Father in me, or else, believe me for the very works that I have done. And he says, he that believes on me, the works that I do, he will do also, but greater than this shall he do, because I go unto my Father. In verse 15, he now says, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray that the Father will send unto you the Comforter that he may abide with you forever. That's the Holy Spirit who is so graciously here with us till today. Verse 21, he says, he that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. Now, when, when Jesus says keeps me, this is old English language. He's not saying you take the commandment of God and you hide it under your pillow. He's not saying you take it and you keep it, you know, and you whisper it to yourself every night like sweet nothings. He's saying you keep it in your heart. You hide it in your heart and you do it. You live by it. In other words, when situations come up like this, you stand up for what is truth, what is right. You will not be found in the company of those who lie, who steal, who manipulate election results. You would not be supporting them. You wouldn't be advocating for them. They will not have your vote. And if for any reason they mistakenly had your vote, you will withdraw your support after you've seen what they've done. He said, um, and you know, I have always said on this podcast that I, I, I am looking for the way how to practice Christianity in practical terms. And I've always felt it was about, you know, that the practice of our Christianity was just about preaching and going to church and, you know, doing all those things, praying and all that. And I think because we focused a lot on that, people have forgotten that every day of our life is an opportunity to show forth Christian values. In fact, these elections was an opportunity to show forth Christian values about transparency, about fairness about justice, about equity. Your, your, my role in the office, your role in the office, how you relate with people, how you, you do your promotion exams, your, um, how you employ people, how you pay them, how you treat your staff, people that work with you, your colleagues. All of these are opportunities to show forth the, 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 the Christian values. And the commandments of Christ. It's not when you see, you now have program in church and you are printing, come, come and do 70 days right. We're, we're so used for all those performative nonsense. We are so good at it. The behavior and the character is horrible. But when it comes to inviting people for church programs, you are the first person to do so. It's comp- In fact, I just don't know. It's so messed up. Anyway. Um, so he says, Jesus, so this is Jesus speaking. Tell if you love me, you will keep my commandments and my father will love such a person and we will come into that person's life and we will make our abode. In other words, we will come and tabernacle there. We will live there. We will abide. We will find, we will make that person's house 
dwelling place, life, heart, our dwelling, our uh, dwelling place, we will not leave. We will come and make ourselves comfortable there. Do you, do you know? Do you, do you know? Do you really know what that means? I mean, that imagery is just, in fact, is is very. I find it very intoxicating when he says we will come and make our abode. We will pack our things. You know what it means? Someone says, I'm coming to come and live with you. Yeah, they pack their things and they come and they're going to come and make themselves comfortable. And if there are people that come with a very, you know, they have a very joyous spirit, they bring their joy with them. If they have a negative spirit as well, they bring their negativism into your household because people are containers, people are carriers. But when Jesus, the light of the world, says he will come and make his abode with you, wow. Your house has become, like they say in my Euro, in Yoruba land, in other words, the house of somebody who has glory. But there's a criteria. We can only, God can only do that when we keep his words. So he says, he that loves me and does not keep, he that doesn't love me and doesn't keep my sayings. Uh, no, he says, he that loves me not, aha, he that doesn't love me does not keep my sayings. In other words, you can say you love me as much as you want. You can, you know, make a song and dance about it. You can label yourself as a Christian, as a this, as a that, as a leader of the faith, as a prophet, as a whatever. But if you do not keep the commandments of God, the principles of God, the values of God, he says that shows me more than anything that you do not love me. And he says the Holy Ghost is here. I will send him in my name. He will teach you in all things. So in case you have forgotten some of the things that I've told you, he will teach you, bring all things to, to your remembrance. This was important for the church because the, for the early church, the apostles then, because they needed to record everything that Jesus had said. And the Holy Ghost really did do that, which is why we have this Bible that we're reading now. And there's consistency of the message that, com- that has come through. And we can see the power. We can experience and encounter the power of those words. So we do know that it is the accurate and right, authentic testimony of Christ that we have received. But also for us as well, the Holy Spirit is also present in our lives to teach us. I honestly wonder, some of my colleagues, some of my friends that I know that supported this particular, how would I say, people who carried out this rape on democracy, let me use the words (laughs) used by um, one of the presidential candidates. I haven't had a conversation with them after the elections because I didn't even want to. I'm still very much in prayer mode about everything going on. So I didn't want to hear anything that would turn my stomach even more than it has done already. But I would at some point be keen to hear what their take is, whether they have managed to convince themselves that everything that everybody saw was a lie and it wasn't true. And that it was just a dangerous and a negative narrative to, you know, to, 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 to um, tarnish the image of, of, of a wonderful man, which is... Honestly, I mean, it's like trying to launder the image of Jack the Ripper. You know what I'm saying? As in, you know, it's, it's so crazy to me in this world that we're really arguing about black and white. As in, let us even be arguing about gray. But black and white is, is the most dim. And this is how I know that we're in the last of the last days. Because these days, even when people see what is wrong and it is clear where what is wrong is coming from who is enabling what is wrong when you when you see policemen behaving in a particular way when you see the national electoral commission that is under the under the ruling party behaving in a particular way it is obvious and you see the outcome of the election favoring somebody disproportionately uh, proportion, proportionally all of the 
shenanigans that were done were obviously done to favor a certain party. And it's obvious. And then you are still disputing that as a Christian. As a Christian. So the only conclusion I have about it is that you do not believe the Bible. You do not believe anything. And I, I, I remember one of my... Actually, there was one of my... Uh, because I'm doing two seminar courses this semester. Seminary courses. And one of the... Um, Courses, the lecturer said something. He said, There is what we say we believe, and that we can tell that you can tell from what people say. He said, But that there is what we really believe, which people can glean from how we act and how we behave. And I, he was using that to talk about the difference between, you know, what a church says that he says you can tell what a church considers to be most important by based on what they track. That what they track is really what they believe. That forget what whether they are talking about gospel or anything. And then you know, if it's attendance, they track. You know that that's what is important to them. So he was just that was general. But he was drawing the difference between who we say we are and who we actually are. It's also I, I think that plays to that phrase where we say actions speak louder than words. So for me, I am and. I am really taking lessons from what's happening. Now, all of this is not to say that I myself am without blame or I'm so holy or I'm so this, but all I'm, all he's doing for me is I am advising myself, Shola, do not fall prey. Even in the position that I find myself, that I need to continue to allow the world, the word of God, sorry, to be the mirror, holding myself to the standard of the word of God and not the standard of the world because I can see that the standard of the world is shaky is very flaky it is not in anybody's interest collectively because that same standard that they are using to uphold evil if that standard is used against them when they are on the right side they won't find it funny and now more than ever, you know, for there was a very long time, there were times when they used to, you know, laugh at people who are religious, who you don't know, you're not thinking scientifically. But now that the world is confused about right and wrong, I think any, I think it makes sense for me to center on the Bible. Nobody can shame me anymore or make me feel guilty about believing the Bible in the 21st century because you guys, you are completely messed up in terms of your ethics. You don't even know what's right, what is even wrong anymore. So let me revert to the ancient text. It's okay by me. I am perfectly happy with that. So I'll leave it at that. And thank you very much for listening. God bless you. Stay lifted and have a wonderful day. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.